Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. This is the 150th official Wolf's Watch broadcast. Thanks for being part of it. This is 21st Century Television, interactive and live. Bring your questions, be ready to dialogue, comment. Today, we want to talk some more about what good comes out of tragedy because we've got a few tragedies to talk about that led to some good things. But today, is National Freedom Day. Welcome to National Freedom Day. It's a very important day. You know, the, the why is today National Freedom Day? Well, it was to, to honor the President Lincoln's signing of the document that would later become the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery. A massive step in freedom. Yeah, we've always got more work to do. Not taking away from that. However, it was on this day many, many years ago that um, Lincoln signed the uh, Emancipation Proclamation and signed the document that would become the 13th Amendment where we officially banded together and said, no more, we will not tolerate slavery. Still happens in parts of the world. We need to work harder, yeah, to eliminate that where it still is uh, practiced, unfortunately. You know, man's inhumanity against man never ceases to amaze me and sadden me. But what a great day. National Freedom Day. You know, freedom is so important because the, founder, the founders of the United States, the founding documents, you know, there's that famous phrase, in order to form a more perfect union. Not the perfect union, not one and done, we don't need to change anything. In order to form a more perfect union, because they knew in the 18th century, the people that created our founding documents for the United States of America knew that it can always be made better. There's more to be learned. And we do what we can today with what we know today. And we make sure that we also leave the door open to continue to do better tomorrow. We don't lock things in and say, this is the way it's going to be. And that's it. You know, otherwise we would still be using 19th tech, you know, 19th century technology like horse and buggy and trains to get around. So enjoy your freedom. You know, it's a really rare thing and it's an unusual state for people throughout human history. And a lot of tragedy led to the signing of that document. You know, just inconceivable suffering. And another thing about today, on this day in history, uh, this is when we had our second space shuttle disaster. When the Columbia, which was the space shuttle Columbia, which was the first shuttle to fly, by the way, in 1981, uh, unfortunately experienced a uh, quote unquote anomaly over on, on its reentry into uh, Earth's airspace and exploded as it, as it was coming in to land. It was still 40 miles up in the atmosphere. But uh, what an unfortunate thing. You know, here's a picture if you will of the smiling crew always to be remembered from space shuttle columbia and this was so the challenger disaster was in 1986 so this was what 17 years later and some of the findings from that were let me adjust this back again some of the findings for that were that nasa had a culture that uh put safety second so imagine that 17 years later still had a problem with putting safety in its proper role because one of the the what was considered to be the problem 
that caused the disaster was foam falling off of of the uh, rockets when it was launched. Protective foam broke away and damaged the wing. It actually damaged the tiles, which allowed it to overheat uh, underneath. And they didn't think it had damaged it as much as it had. It wasn't clear, wasn't inspected properly before re-entry so that they could have attempted to make some adjustment. You know, what do you do? You can't remanufacture a wing when you're in uh, in orbit. But it would have given them an opportunity to at least work on the problem. So again, it was a cascade effect of decisions that that led to yet another crew being lost. Now, the space shuttle flew from 1981, the program. We were flying, you know, we were flying space shuttles from 1981 to 2011. It's a pretty good run. Right, 1981 to 2011. So that went for 30 years. Is and think about this. This is a vehicle that was designed original. You know, the original concept was from 1969. So this is 1970s technology flying into the 21st century, well into the 21st century. Still hasn't been replaced yet, even though there'd been multiple findings throughout the years that NASA needed to replace the shuttle as quickly as possible. We still haven't gotten anything from from uh, from NASA to do that. Although they're working on it, not a dig. It's just that there's a lot of uh, is discussed in previous in a previous uh, segment. When you have a large organization like that, there's a lot of inertia that and a lot of requirements that make it difficult to change. So, partly why we lost the Columbia crew. Right, that that resistance to change. You find that in your company. So from tragedy, from that tragedy came more good in terms of findings about things that needed to be done, things that needed to be fixed, finally getting NASA to move on the problem that had been known for years with the foam. That was part of the finding from uh, the, the research that was done. There. So they, they finally made changes because of the tragedy that happened. Some changes. Was it adequate? Well, apparently because we got the shuttle back up, didn't suffer any more loss like that in the ensuing years and, and again the program wasn't retired the space shuttles weren't retired until 2011 had the opportunity to watch the last space shuttle be flown into los angeles international airport piggybacking on the 747 I actually have some video from them can perhaps share that with you sometime if you're interested that was a great thing to see I didn't see it being taken to the museum that it's now yeah but watching it watching it land for the last time uh at any space shuttle will be landing was, uh, was an honor because I remember in the mid 1980s when we used to listen to the double sonic booms as they were landing, coming in to land at um, Edwards Air Force Base north of Los Angeles. Big piece of history. A lot was learned and there was tragedy along the way. You know, things happen to life delivers us tragedies. What do you do with it? What do you learn from it? How do you apply that? At personal level, business level. Speaking of tragedy, today is also Robin Caruso Day. Now, did you know that the story of Robin Caruso was actually based on a real person? There was, a, and let me, let me, I'm going to look over here to reference this so they get the name right. Don't want to give you the wrong information about that. Uh, Alexander Selkirk, a Scottish sailor. Aye, lads, for Scotland. 
Alexander Selkirk was stranded on an island for several years, but he was by himself. He didn't have um, any companionship. It was just he survived by himself on berries and wild goats until a passing ship. And he was able to uh, get the attention of a passing ship in uh, 1709 to pick him up and, and bring him back to civilization. And the, um, the Daniel Defoe, who wrote Robinson Crusoe, heard him speak, heard Alexander Selkirk telling his story, and that inspired him to write Robinson Crusoe, which has been an inspirational story for quite some time, you know, for a couple hundred years now, that has inspired people to, you know, to work through their struggles, to find what they can. You know, it's a survivor story that's always something that gives us something uplifting, right? You can learn something from that, be inspired by and go, yeah, you know, puts perspective on the day's struggles. So this is just a factoid that I found fascinating. Wanted to share with you. Today's Robinson Crusoe Day. And that was actually a story based on a real sailor, Alexander Selkirk, Scottish man that was stranded on an island alone for several years and um, survived to tell the tale, which is what inspired Daniel Defoe to write the story Robinson Crusoe. Now, the theme for this episode is from, you know, good things coming from tragedy, really. And because it's Freedom Day, you know, freedom ain't free, as the saying goes. You know, there's a lot of tragedy around what it takes to become free, to fight for freedom, to maintain freedom. It's not easy. There's things, you know, hard choices that need to be made, responsibilities that go along with it. Yet, we should be encouraged because freedom the freedom that you have allows you to pursue your potential in business and otherwise. So something else to consider. Another, I was fascinated by what, what's going on, what happened in history today. So also on this day in 1843, the, the Mutual Life Insurance Company of New York, which is the oldest continuous life insurance company, was founded. So in 1843. Now, it's since been uh, in the early 2000s was was bought up by AXA Financial. There's a wholly owned subsidiary of that, but it's still operating to this day. So it's 1843, 200 plus years. No, not 200 plus years, 100. Doing math without my calculator, I'm not going to do that. So that's, it's the oldest insurance company still existing, was acquired by another company. Now, something that, that made me think about that and, and how that applied to today's theme is as you're scaling your business, are you considering acquisitions? And you may think that your company's too small. Are you considering acquisitions? I had the opportunity to interview the CEO of a company that's a Midwest company, privately owned, still family owned company that is in the uh, fire, started out in fire extinguishers and fire extinguisher maintenance and branched out and more into related systems in, over the decades. This company's been around for quite a while. They have grown regionally by acquiring other companies and still a relatively small company. Now they've they've grown to about a thousand employees or so. Can have more on this. I don't want to get distracted from the point. So here's a company that was surprisingly small. Now you think acquisitions, you know, mergers and acquisitions, we're talking like Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 1000 companies, really big organizations. They're already in hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in revenue and they're buying other companies. Uh, take a, a company like EarthTech, which was um, which was itself later bought. However, it, they had um, had built the organization, the company EarthTech, which was based in Long Beach, California, 
was uh, was built to a billion dollars in revenue by acquiring 56 other companies. It's a big company. A lot of other companies coming in may not want to do that. But is there is there a strategic acquisition in today's environment that you may be able to make to to scale your company? Something that matches the values. You know, open this episode talking about how today's National Freedom Day. One of the reasons that caught my attention is freedom's a core value for me personally and also for our business. You know, to practice it, to enable it for others. So what are the you, know, you need to be careful about aligning core values? Does it actually make sense uh, in terms of being able to extend your your geographic reach, being able to extend into a niche market that you're not currently active in? Uh, being able to add more capacity to your company. So, you know, there's things to consider. However, however, maybe something to take a look at, even though you think your company's too small to do that, or that it's too affordable taking on too much risk. It's, it's a strategy to consider. It's also a way to bring in more talent. And when we're talking a lot more about creating a culture of the right talent so that you can scale your business because it's crucial. It's one of the top issues, you know, surveys with uh, CEOs, you know, Deloitte, if you're familiar with, with Deloitte, the consulting outfit, they issued their 2022 um, CEO survey and it showed that the 175 CEOs that they talked to, you know, talent, the war for talent, having the right skills, the right people is the num was the number one concern amongst those Consider So it should be a top concern of yours. It probably is. If it's not, it needs to be. Because, you know, think about it. If you remember Jim Collins, Good to Great. Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. If you haven't read it, you should highly recommend it. It should be on your reference bookshelf. If you have read it, consider going back and taking a look at the key findings in the book. Because one of the key issues with building a great organization was having the right, the right people in the right seats on the bus. And that that was more important than where the bus was going. So, right? Who is more important than where? Who is more important than the goals? If you don't have the right people in the right roles with the right skills, you don't have a chance at achieving your goals. Let's leave it at that. It could soften that a little bit, but that's the brutal reality. Acquisition is another way of bringing in the right people. It's hard to find the right talent. You know, who, who's a, I'm not saying go, you know, don't, don't pull a Kmart. It was a Kmart and Sears. Huge, huge merger of two companies. They were absolutely failing. Would it really be that hard to predict that the combined organization would fail as well? I'm not talking about making a bonehead move like that. Finding a company that's really doing well or has potential, you know, maybe they're stumbling some last couple of years have been pretty tough, been a lot of stumbling for good organizations going on, but a company that isn't just good, that's already great in their own right, or has the potential. It's clear how it could become great. Maybe it's a marketing issue. Maybe it's an issue of current leadership, right? Is the lid. You are the lid in your organization, by the way, right? You, you determine how far the organization goes. So you need to be working on your ability to lead the ability to scale your business more than anything else. Well, is there talent that can help you or maybe a company that they're bumping up against that and the owner has decided to sell 
because they can't make the transition. As you scale your company, what you need to do, your role, your mindset, your skills shift as the owner, as the top person in the organization, as the CEO or you know the, the chairman of the board, chairperson of the board. Consider that acquisition could be something to, uh, to expand in many ways, particularly in finding good talent with the right strategic combination. Don't, don't look for failing company. Don't look for fixer upper projects. Not a smart move. Not the way to go. Not the way to have a successful acquisition. Look for a company that has a good fit that's bringing something to the table in excellence that you need. And it could be you want to get the talent. It could be you want to get access to their customers. It could be that it adds a service that they can provide in excellence rather than learning how to provide it within your company. So you think, think like, think like an entrepreneur. Don't think like an employee. Don't think like a business owner. Think like an entrepreneur. How do you, you know, you see a need, how do you fill it? You don't have to be, and you've likely, you likely already know this, right? You don't have to be the expert at doing it. Your expertise is creating the environment, getting the right people together, making it financially possible to run it, connecting to the market, making the need, you know, making the solution to the need known in the marketplace, aka marketing, getting the people that can do those and running that team. That is what your skill set needs to be as you scale up your business. You know, starting out, you're good at something. Or some businesses, I, I have, you know, some of my mentors started out doing what they do. They've been very successful, started out doing what they do because they were good at putting it together. Some of them started out because they had a skill in a certain area and they started building a business around it. And then they quickly backed up to going, look, they didn't want to continue to, especially in technology, right? I got off the bleeding edge of technology. Sometimes I really regret that. Uh, but I got out of the bleeding edge of technology because of the pace of keeping up on a tech, you know, keeping technical expertise, being in the top 1%, top 5% in a technical area because the pace of development happens so fast. And then stepping back and going, okay, how do we leverage this trend? How do we leverage this technology? Think of it that way. How do you bring the team together that is able to pro provide the solution? which opens the door for being able to acquire and bring something in because you don't have to be the expert at it. You need to be the expert at how to integrate that, how to make the team work, how to keep everything aligned in the values that you have personally and that you instilled in your company, which then attracts the right people, especially when dealing with millennials. We'll talk about that some more too. So from tragedy, good things come with the right mindset. And tragedy happens. Personal at the personal level, at the business level, at the cultural level. I mean, we've, we've got that in large doses, but I don't know about you, but, but I've been getting slapped in the face with that for two years now. Stuff happens, right? Sometimes it happens a lot more than others. Have good stuff come out of that. Consider things like, are you, are you ignoring key issues and key opportunities? As NASA was called on the carpet for after the 2003 Columbia disaster. Fix it or seize it. Go after that. Are you staying true to your values and creating the culture that will attract the right 
people that you need in order to be able to scale your business? Are you focusing on, you know, and second part of that is, are you personally at a personal level and honing your skills that are needed in order to play the role that you need to play to allow your business to scale when the opportunity comes? Third, are you considering acquisitions? And other, what are out of the box, outside your paradigm. I used to be able to get this right a lot easier. Outside of your paradigm, can you flex that, break that, so that you can see and leverage other opportunities? Acquisitions being one to consider, because there's a lot of businesses going up for sale. Part of it is generational change, as is, is the, the baby boom generation gets older, as the, you know, there's still some of the generation before the baby boomers. I've heard them call it other things. I still call it the greatest generation. And have a definition, the definite definition of time. Well, technical issues without that. The generation before that, some of them are, are still transitioning their businesses. So there's a lot of businesses coming up for sale that uh, for life reasons, not because the business is struggling. There's a lot of people that just are tired of all the garbage that's been going on and the difficulties that have been imposed on them with making the business continue to succeed that are getting, you know, they're stepping out. And there's others that, that have so many things that they want to do, possibly like you, that they want to sell their business in order to move on to the next thing, or they've already got something else going and it's time to sell that, or it's being sold out of a portfolio. Consider that. Never know. <sighs> So that's it for the 150th episode of Wolf's Watch. Thanks for being part of it. You know, like I say, 21st Century Television this is live and interactive. Always appreciate your comments. You know, if you like it, like the episode, hit the like button. Whether you're watching, you know, wherever you're watching this, this streams out to multiple uh, social media services. And greatly appreciate you being there. Look forward to talking with you again. We're going to have a lot more coming up. We've got some interviews coming up that we'll be announcing shortly that you're going to enjoy. We get to interact with uh, other entrepreneurs, experts, highly successful people that are willing to share the, you know, their journey and what they've learned along the way. So we will see you there. Thanks for being part of, part of Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf and I will see you on the trail.